0: an Article 5 convention. I'm going to start out with this, because a lot of people are like, why would it be in there if we cannot use it, and if we should not use it now, when, considering we're on the verge of, well, it's pretty rough out there,
1: as you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great topic. I definitely want to get into that in a little bit. The The topic of an Article 5 convention, in Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, talks about how we can make changes to the Constitution, amendments. hmm and two and we ways have. we've made we've made many twenty-seven, yeah. including the Bill of Rights. All of those went through the first method, which is Congress proposes the amendments. The Article Five Convention option has never been used, and I I would say rightly so for good reason. The Article Five Convention, when two-thirds of the state legislatures apply to Congress for a convention, then Congress calls a convention for proposing amendments. And then it goes out to the states for ratification. But based on historical precedent from the 1787 convention, if you try to call this convention for a limited purpose, like, say, term limits, Mm -hmm. we're going to limit them, they can't talk about anything else, that's how they try to sell this to our state legislators. Historical precedent says, "Eh, you can limit them any way you want, it's not going to (laughs) work. Because the 1787 convention was given limited authority to create a federal... Form of government, and they created a more national one, like we started off talking about today. Admitting, you know, we probably don't have the authority, but it's essential that we do so. And so that convention set this precedent that, give them limits, they don't have to follow the limits, and they can change the ratification process in, the, in what was in the Constitution. They totally replaced it. This movement is a deep concern. I don't say that an Article Five convention is by itself an evil thing, it never should have occurred in the Constitution or whatever else. I, des- I often describe it, it's like a gun. It's a very powerful weapon. And in the right hands, it can be used for good. But in the wrong hands, it can do terrible destruction. Uh, and, and what are the wrong hands? People who are ignorant of the Constitution. Mm. People who don't know what's already in there. If you don't know what's in the Constitution and you're starting to propose changes to it, You're likely to do more damage than good. I highlighted this point in a debate I did about a year ago. I was debating some of the Convention of State's bill sponsors in the state legislature in Utah. And the question came up, why don't they have a balanced budget requirement in the Constitution? they, They admitted, my opponents, I have no idea they should have done it. My answer was, because they have something better. Rather than a balanced budget requirement, the founders gave us the enumerated powers, which refines all government spending to this short list of powers. And anything outside of that, they are not authorized to be spending money on. If the federal government were trimmed to fit back in the box, the Constitution actually authorizes, it would trim the federal budget by roughly 80%. You'd have around $2 trillion surplus annually. We'd begin paying down the national debt. And isn't that better than merely balancing the budget? That's... We... I. You know, depending—I've talked to
0: some folks, and, and that's the number we always were, we're throwing out there. And it's so crazy that I think a lot of people, they may listen and hear this and be like, it might just not register. Because let's, let's reiterate that. If we were to adhere to the Constitution, mm-hmm. 80% of the federal
1: government would not exist. Yep. And that would more than balance the budget. Yep. Right? At current tax levels— Roughly $2 trillion surplus in our taxes annually. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> how the, and, and my point is this. Yeah. There are people out there pushing, we have to have a balanced budget am- amendment to the Constitution. I, I'm saying, no, we don't. We just need to enforce what's already there. And it gets us far beyond merely balancing the budget. And what is their answer to this?
0: There's no way, there, where, there, there's no yeah. way it's happening because how are you going to convince...
1: I'm glad you brought up that question. How do we get this to happen? Yes. How do we get back to the Constitution? It seems like a pipe
0: dream, right? I mean, not to us, Yeah, it certainly can.
1: (laughs) I would say probably the most important lecture that I give is called The Power of 500. And you can pull that up on YouTube or on shopjbs.org. The Power of 500 describes how just a few hundred people have the power to rein in their congressmen. I... This isn't just theory. This is what, when I was first hired by the John Birch Society back in I'm 2009. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. I went to Montana to implement the Power of 500. That, they said, we've got you for a special project. We're not just doing regular coordinator here. You're here to implement this program. Our congressman at the time, Denny Reberg, had been following the Constitution, according to our Freedom Index ratings, around 50% of the time. I went there, started teaching the Constitution, handing out his voting record across the the state, and getting others to do the same. Let's educate on the Constitution. We produced my Constitution course. Started publishing his voting record from the Freedom Index everywhere we went. And within four months, he got his all-time best score ever, 80%. And his next score after that was also 80%. And we kept on him. And every Mm -hmm. time he'd hold any town hall meeting, we'd make sure we'd have people there to hand out his voting record. Because (laughs) without fail, every time we did that, the questions would be focused around the constitutionality of his voting record. Right. And by the third report that came out, he got a 90%. And I showed up to the next town hall meeting. Congressman Reberg, I want to congratulate you. You just got your highest score ever, ninety percent constitutional rating. You're among the elite best scores in the entire country. So it works. It works. Pressuring and letting And it we know only it had works. a couple hundred people doing this program. And I have to add, at that time, Montana was the largest population congressional district in the country. They're right on the verge of getting two, and they now mm-hmm. have two Indiana, congressmen yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So this if I could do that there in one of the largest geographic and the largest population-wise of all the congressional districts in the country. Granted, it helped that it wasn't Nancy Pelosi's district. That would take a lot longer Mm. because the socialist leanings of the population support what she's doing. But in any district that has somewhat of a conservative leaning, it's almost an overnight fix that, wow, these people naturally... Recognize the Constitution should be followed. Once they recognize he's not, mm-hmm. it's an easy transition to get them to start speaking out against his voting record.
0: Well, that, that brings a, a sad and interesting point, which is that they have to. We have to help our legislators. That's right. Who you would think should know, or they had considered a
1: priority, but they don't. It's only priority if we make it. This is, again, why, when I quoted Alexander Hamilton, the people are the natural guardians of the Constitution. Yeah. We have to know the Constitution, and we have to—I've got to use this word. From James Madison, Federalist 46, he talks about the disquietude of the people. Disquietude. I love that word, disquietude. What does that mean? And it's really the people are speaking out against what you're doing. That's exactly what we did with Congressman Mm Reberg. Disquietude was raised among the people about his voting record and how it squared with the Constitution. Right. I could have called it the power of disquietude, but it doesn't have the same ring as the power of 500. So <laughs> right, we with right.
0: that. Well, we're glad you did. We we uh, we advertise, of course. We we try to push the the power of 500. And I think you made a great point that that is how you do. You get 500. If you get 500 birchers really active in a right. district, is it any district? It doesn't matter how.
1: Uh, I grew up in You'd Atlanta. Some of these districts. Yeah. Millions of
0: people in some. I'm I'm
1: going to refer to Nancy Pelosi's district. (laughs) It will be a harder road there, Mm -hmm. guaranteed. Ever hear someone say the system's broken? It's not. We have a reckless, corrupt government because elected officials are not following the Constitution. Here at the John Birch Society, we believe the only way to liberty, prosperity, and national sovereignty is to not only understand what's in our founding documents but demand that every elected official adheres to them. The Constitution is America's only solution. Join JBS and change America. Find us at jbs.org.